0: Could you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. <clears throat> I think that's Julianne's family up there, is that right? Well, welcome to you guys. Thank you for coming. I don't know why you're here. Might, 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 she might get married. That'd be good, wouldn't it? No, it's going to happen, praise the Lord. Look, I forgot, forgot a few other things. Apparently, Ashley Stokes isn't well. Uh, he's got an infection. Uh, after uh, some treatment at hospital. So just pray for Ashley uh, that uh, he gets through this. And uh, also there's an announcement about a men's uh, ministry from school leavers and up. I guess I can go along. Uh, Saturday the 28th at 8 a.m. And there'll be some more information about it next week. So it looks like a Saturday morning get-together and I smell bacon. I'd say that's going to be some bacon there for the boys. And so if you have any questions about that, please see Dave Young. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, and uh, (coughs) I'll just read these verses again. They're wonderful verses. Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blessing of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can learn so much about him just from these small few verses of the Bible. I pray the Lord you'll help us to understand and help us to wonder uh, at the Lord Jesus himself and we pray in his name. Amen. Now this morning I'm going to continue my series in the epistle to the Hebrews. In my last few messages I've uh, been working through eight divine qualities of Christ presented in the first three uh, verses of the epistle. It's sort of like a I'm working through them because there is some really good theology here that we might miss. I'm sure I'll go faster uh, as uh, I go further into the book. But just eight divine qualities of Christ and um, I've looked at four of them already. We've seen that Christ is the prophet of the new covenant in the, in these last days God has spoken to us by his son. So he's the prophet of the last of the new covenant. Uh, we saw Christ's possessions. God has appointed his son, the heir of all things. His, uh, everything is uh, a part of his inheritance. Uh, we saw his pre-em- uh, pre-existence. Uh, the writer of the Hebrews stated, by whom he made the worlds. Uh, Jesus Christ is the creator of the cosmos in the Ionis, uh, the, the different worlds. And last time we found that Jesus Christ is the pure light of God's glory. And the quality referred to here is in verse 3, that he is the brightness of God's glory. So that's how far we've gotten so far. The fifth quality of Christ mentioned here in verse 3, it's where it reads, <clears throat> and he is the express image of his person, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So what does it mean when it says that he is the express image? What does it actually mean? Now the Greek word that is used here, that is translated here, only appears here and nowhere else in the New Testament, so we don't have any sort of keys to to understanding perhaps the word. The Greek word is actually the word character, and we get our word character from it. Uh, But the Greek word has a different meaning uh, to our word. And so is the Greek word character. And um, one Greek lexicon said this, character is an old word meaning to cut, to scratch, to mark. It was the agent or tool that did the marking, then the mark or impress made the exact reproduction. So the idea is of a tool making a mark or, uh, and, uh, and then that mark becomes the exact reproduction of something. Adam Clark said this, it is a metaphor taken from sealing, the dye or seal leaving the full impression of every part on the wax to which it's applied. And so certainly in old times, uh, if you had the seal uh, pressed in the wax, it would show some sort of imprimatur or sign of who, uh, had, uh, whose seal it was. Uh, remember the answer Jesus gave when he, when he was asked about tax. Uh, Luke 20, verse 24, Jesus said, Show me a penny, whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. The penny had the character, the representation of Caesar on it. So you knew that that was Caesar, it uh, couldn't be anyone else, and so that penny belonged to him. So the idea here is that Jesus is the exact reproduction of God's person. Now, we know at the Last Supper, Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father, show us the Father. I'm going to the Father, and Philip says rather ignorantly, well, show us the Father. And we read in John 14, 9, that Jesus Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? And here's the point, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. If you want to see the Father, if you want to know what God is like, you need to just look at me. He who has seen me hath seen the Father because Jesus is the express image of the person of God. So that's the first little thing we need to understand from this expression, what it means to express image, the exact representation. Now that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Um, but as all my one-way blue clubbers will know, and if I ask them this, they'd, they'd be able to give the answer, all my one way clubbers know that God is a spirit, and because God is a spirit, that means, among other things, that God is invisible. Invisible. We teach them that every year at the beginning of each, for the four years, when in One Way Blue, we go right through who God is, and we start with God is a spirit, and that means that God is invisible. Now, if he wasn't invisible, we know that God is everywhere. Just imagine if God wasn't invisible, we'd have some, we'd see God everywhere. We wouldn't be able to see anything else, would we? And so God is a spirit and because of that, he is invisible. So how can Jesus be the express image, the character, the exact reproduction of someone who is invisible? That's a fair question. Well, this is what the Bible says, does say about Jesus. Just turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. <clears throat> Colossians 1.15. It's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in whom we have redemption, verse 14, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then it says, who is the image... Of the invisible God, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Now, the Greek word for image here is different but similar to the word used in Hebrews one verse three. Uh, this word is used in the New Testament uh, sometimes of a physical image of someone or something, something you can see and touch—a physical image. It's the word Jesus used when he spoke of the the image of Caesar on the coin. Uh, it's the word used to describe the image of the beast in the Revelation. It will be something, a statue that they can see, an image. And so sometimes this word is used uh, to speak of a physical image of someone or something. But this first tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, if you're not sure what invisible means, it means you can't see him. You can't see him. And that automatically tells us that when... We read that Jesus is the express image of God. It's not speaking about a form, the form or shape of God. God is a spirit. He is invisible. He doesn't have shape or form like like we mere mortals. We have form. We have shape. We can only be in one place at one time and we can be seen. But God is not like that. So how is Jesus the express image of an invisible God? Well, this is where our verse in hebrews 1 verse 3 comes in so let's go back to hebrews 1 and verse 3 it tells us that he's the brightness of his glory and the express express image and then it says he's the express image of his person it's very particular here he's the express image of god's person so jesus is the express image the exact representation of God's person. Now, God's person can't be talking about a visible form because I just said God is a spirit. He's he's invisible. But his person is what makes God who and what he is. Albert Barnes puts it this way. Here it properly refers to the essential nature of God, what distinguishes him from all other beings and which I may also say constitutes him God. And the idea is that the Redeemer is the exact resemblance of of that. The person of God is who or what He is. It's His essence. It is His being. It's what makes Him not man. It's what makes Him different to us. This is what God is. His person is who God is. Now I thought I'd do a quick survey, thinking about that. I'd do a quick survey uh, in my in the uh, in the Bible. Uh, through my search engine of my Bible program, I just typed in the words, God is. And I, wanted, I asked it to just give me the exact expression, God is, and I just sort of found lots of lots of places in the Bible where it says God is. And sometimes it's referring to how it is something of a blessing to us. But some of these things express exactly the person of God, of what God is like. Now, here are some of the things I found without their references. I just uh, chomped it out of the verses. Now, you'll know most of these things about God. If you know God, then you'll know these to be true. You'll know this is who he is. It says God is a fire. God is a merciful God. God is eternal. God is gracious and merciful. God is greater than man. God is mighty. God is great. God is angry with the wicked. God is our refuge and strength. God is the king of all the earth. God is righteous in all his works. God is no respecter of persons. God is faithful, God is holy, God is true, God is one, God is light, God is love. I'm just taking those words out of the scriptures, telling us who God is. This is the person of God. God is all these things and more. This is the person that that he is. And Jesus is the express image of all those things. He's all those things that God is because... He is God. It makes sense that Jesus is the express image of God because he is God, the Son. John Gill wrote this, the express image of his person, namely equality and sameness of nature and distinction of persons. For if the Father is God, Christ must be so too. And if he is a person, his Son must also likewise or he cannot be the express image of God him because Jesus is God the son and and, and he's the son of the father then they must be of the same type of the same nature equal in all those respects you know this is the very person that Jesus claimed to be just go over to John chapter 10 John chapter 10 John 10, verse 29 to 33. <clears throat> my father, Jesus said, which gave them me, um, his sheep, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And then he, Jesus makes this statement, I and my father are one, equal. Equal. Then the Jews took up stones again to uh, to stone him. Jesus answered uh, them, uh, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus was the express image of God, (laughs) He was the express image of God's person, who God is. They are one in nature. And now this is what he told the Jews and they knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming to be God and he was claiming to be God because that's who he is. He is God. And as you know, there are many verses that attest to the deity of Christ and there are too many to quote, but here's a few just came to my mind. Colossians 2.9, it says, For in him, that is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. There are many, many scriptures that attest to the deity of Christ. And as I was writing that, I'm thinking, I wonder if you people could do that. If somebody came to you and said, Maybe a JW at your door, or somebody at work and said, Oh, Jesus wasn't God. Have you got you know where to look in the Bible for those verses? Could you say, Oh no, the Bible says very clearly? Could you take people to those verses? It's a good challenge that you'll be able to answer to the deity of Christ through the scriptures, because it's attested to over and over again. So this reference in Hebrews 1, 3, Gives yet another aspect of the divine Christ. It presents his divine person, what he, he is like and who he is. Now, before I finish, I want to show you something else found in the word translated person. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And I thought I couldn't really miss this without telling you. You probably know, but just in case you don't know. Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. The Greek word translated person, there is the word hypostasis. And theologians have coined, sorry, theologians have used this Greek word, hypostasis, to coin a doctrine known as the hypostatic union. Have you heard of that before? The hypostatic union. It, they got this, up, this word from this work the Greek word here for person, hypostasis. Now, the hypostatic union is the doctrine that Jesus is one person, but he possesses two natures. It's the doctrine that Jesus is both 100% God and 100% man. Now, in the earliest days of the church, and especially in the 2nd century AD, many uh, crazy views on the nature of Christ arose to trouble the church. There were teachers going around all the places and they were saying this about Jesus, the nature of Christ, and this about the nature of Christ. Some taught that Jesus was just a man and had the mind of God while he was on, uh, on earth and when Jesus died, the mind of God went back to heaven. Some taught that Jesus seemed to be God but really was just a man. Others taught that Jesus was God but not really a man. So he was God but he wasn't a man. So finally, a church council was called in 451 AD at a place called Chalcedon in it's now modern-day Turkey. This council was called, called to settle the matter on the person of Christ. Let me quote what it says here. It was convoked by the Byzantine emperor Marcion, It was attended by about 520 bishops or their representatives and was the largest and best documented of the early councils. The Council of Chalcedon issued a Chalcedonian Creed which repudiates the notion of a single nature in Christ and declared that he has two natures in one person, a hypostasis. It also insisted on the completeness of the two natures, Godhead and manhood. Now I just want to quote a little bit from the Chalcedon Creed. See if you can pick it up, what it's saying. It states that Jesus is one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognised in two natures without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, the distinction of natures being in no way annulled by the union, but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person and subsistence, not as parted or separated into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten God, the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what this creed, this Chalcedon creed, affirmed was what the Bible teaches, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, the hypostatic union. Now, I thought, what's a good illustration? I thought, I just thought of this one, and it might not be a good illustration, but humor me a little, okay? I haven't got else to do. Uh, Here's my little illustration of what it is not. Now, I have two lovely grandchildren that I call Aussie pinos. And I do that because the father is an Australian and their mother is Filipino. And so they're Aussie pinos. And I suppose you would say that they are half Australian and they are half Filipino. Well, this isn't the same as the person of Christ. It's hard to understand, but it is essential to our faith to understand that Jesus was holy God, not half God, and holy man, not half man. His person is a hypostatic union of man and God. Being God doesn't diminish his humanity. And being human doesn't diminish his divinity. This is what the hypostatic union is. He's the only person in all history, to be of this kind of person because he is the Son of God. Now, we've just looked at scriptures that affirm the deity of Christ, but there are so many scriptures that affirm the the humanity of Christ. Philippians 2.7, for example, But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus humbled himself to become a man so that he could die on the cross for our sins. Jesus was the son of man and the son of God. He's called the son of man 89 times in the New Testament. He's called the son of God 47 times in the New Testament. As the son of man, he was born. As the son of God, he was born of a virgin. As the son of man, he was hungry. As the son of God, he fed 5,000. As the Son of Man, he was tired. As the Son of God, he calmed the storm. As the Son of Man, he thirsted. As the Son of God, he gave living water. As the Son of Man, he was tempted. <laughs> like us we are, but as the Son of God, yet without sin. As the Son of Man, he died. And as the Son of God, he rose from the dead. Hebrews 1.3 tells us of his divinity. But that's only one side of his person. The other side is his Humanity. And if you're in Hebrews, just turn over to Hebrews chapter 2 because Hebrews 1 tells us of his divinity, he's the express image of, the, of, of God's person. But in Hebrews 2 we see why he had to be also wholly human. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. So Hebrews 2, 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same flesh and blood. Why? For what purpose? That through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. If he was just God, he wouldn't be able to die because God cannot die, but as man, he could die in our place. He died. That through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took upon him the seed of Abraham, a man. He became a man, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be like unto his brethren, men that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So he became a man so that he could die as a man for the sins of men. He he became a man so that he could be our great high priest and identify with us. But he also died. He became a man so that he might be able to succor us when we attempted, verse 18, for in he himself, hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succour or to help them that are tempted. You see, it is imperative, it was imperative for Jesus to become human like us. So that as as a man, he could die for our sins and destroy him, that that is the devil that hath the power over death. It also enabled him to be our high priest and for him to be able to identify with us and succour us when we're tempted. Jesus is fully man and the express sorry, Jesus is fully man, and He is the express image of God's person. So if you want to see God, look to Jesus. If you want to know God, learn about the Lord Jesus. In fact, we can't come to the Father but through Him. And the greatest blessing for us, and this is what the writer of the Hebrews is sharing with us, is that this God, man, this God. He came to dwell amongst us to save us because he loved us. And I trust that you have received the gift that he has given us by dying for us upon the cross of Calvary. I trust that you have believed in him so that you can receive that uh, life, that eternal life that he offers. He is the divine Christ, the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Next time, we'll have a look at the next quality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for, for just being able to know the name of Jesus and being able to, when you understand who Jesus is, uh, Lord, uh, that he would condescend uh, to come and live amongst us, uh, yet uh, Lord, in the likeness of sinful flesh, so that he might die uh, to put uh, that death, uh, 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 to put away death and, and give us that hope of life. Uh, Father, I pray that we might um, be able to answer those people who would lord bring in these false doctrines about christ help us to know what scriptures uh, there are that we need to uh, perhaps memorize or know where they are that we might be able to give people an answer uh, when they ask us i pray that father we would live lives that are worthy of that divine christ and we pray in his precious name amen